0: We were doing the signs of the zodiac, or not so much the signs, as you said, but I was giving you a bit of teaching on the symbols, reading esoteric symbology. And it's actually quite important for you to begin to become esoterists that way. When I get back to Australia, I'll give you further teachings because uh, anything to do with symbols, as you know, it's best to actually look at the symbols on on blank paper. All Tanka's, all the Egyptian art, all of the symbols of ancient mythologies, all of this can be begun to be read by you once you understand all the key uh, principles. So this particular esoteric law, one method of interpretation of you know, one of the keys of interpretation is symbols, symbology. Now, I think last time we stopped at the sign Libra, and I was talking about an aspect of the sign Libra, which is not mentioned in the books. Uh, For instance, if you read all of D.K.'s esoteric astrology, um, what I said about the dragon being coiled around the the, the beam of the balance and having the, the fulcrum in its mouth, is not in the books. So this is new information. You sometimes do see this. I think I've seen a glyph of it somewhere in, in some religion, but it's not um, given in, in DK's books. So Libra is quite an important sign, and it's the meditative interlude. As I was talking more about the balances, later on we'll be uh, deciphering the 12 signs of the zodiac in relationship to my astrological cards that I've painted. So we'll go through that, and there I've painted the, the picture of Libra with the, the dragon, uh, with the balances in its um, mouth, and then I'll go into the pans a little bit more detail there. As um, D.K. says in his particular book, He's a Turk Astrology, it's a very difficult sign to explain, because it's this, this sign of balances, of the interlude between breaths, of meditation. It doesn't have any major... Easy definable qualities, whereas with Scorpio, the next sign, it's a different story. It's It's got a host of stuff one can talk about and write, and it's got quite, quite quite definable qualities. All of you know the, the glyph, so I don't have to try to write it. And the first thing to notice it's one of the two signs in the zodiac that has its triune, like Virgo. It has the three prongs that. That relate to the the trinity of matter Or that which relates incarnation The two being incarnate in space Body, spirit and soul Are all represented in the one glyph So both um, Virgo and Scorpio Relate to coming out of the material domain And with regards to Virgo You saw that that glyph had what we discussed as the lion's tail up top to bring the, the mystery of the whole sphinx in. And that mystery is quite deep. It's far vaster and deeper than any of you imagine, or some of you may imagine, but it's um, phenomenal. It's got the whole cosmic evolution involved with it. With the sign Scorpio, it is different, of course. You have the little upward-pointed arrow um, from, the, from the bottom leg. And so the upward pointed arrow is the same As the arrow of Sagittarius the, In Sagittarius the arrow The archer fires its arrow Towards a particular target In Scorpio this particular upward pointed arrow Is the arrow of desire Of sexuality It's the desire principle arising out of matter Scorpio is a water sign and Virgo is an earth sign. You can think of the desire principle rising out of or attaching itself to all of the objects of desire in the waters of sensation. And for Scorpio, I always have to look at the polar opposite of Scorpio, which is Taurus. And Taurus governs the entire field of desire. And material comforts, for instance, everything that people have. Uh, Women have to make themselves pretty, you know, that type of thought construct. I gotta have that, I gotta have that, I gotta look like this, I gotta wear this dress today, and so forth. That is the Taurian type of energy. And then the home environment, you know, to produce the children, that's Taurus. But the Scorpio particularizes that desire. It intensifies desire in whatever it wishes. So if you think Taurus is generalized desire, Scorpio is particularized desire. And because it is watery, it's um, whereas Taurus is earthy, they work as a unity. All polar opposites, even though you've got the word opposite, actually work as a unity. One has qualities that the other that leads to the other. Now, both the exoteric and the esoteric rulers of um, Scorpio is Mars. So, Mars is the god of war, the god of desire, right? The god of material plan acquisition. It's actually the martial energy that is appearing out of the waters. Or piercing the waters, if you want, in this um, uh, glyph of Scorpio Therefore, it helps you to remember the esoteric and exoteric ruler of Scorpio as Mars Though most of you should know that already And the hierarchical ruler is Mercury Okay, now, if you think of Taurus And Taurus starts the descent into incarnation and therefore the ascent into materialism into matter into sensation and all of those things. And so if you think of the zodiac, we're cut into two portions. there's an upper hemisphere and the lower hemisphere and it's the same as the diaphragm. The diaphragm cuts your body if you want into two portions that which is above which contains the heart and the throat the chest cavity and that which is below which contains the solar plexus and the organs of generation so you know so that which is below is the field of desire and sensation and emotions and all the rest of it and that is which is above is the heart and the way of the higher consciousness and symbolically it's the same in the zodiac so the so Taurus and Scorpio cut the zodiac into two the, the divine hermaphrodite is that symbol that vertical line is the feminine principle and the i mean the horizontal line is the feminine principle and the vertical line that would cut it Is the masculine principle. So it's the descending of the masculine principle that cuts the vertical, the feminine waters that uh, fertilizes it, that produces the birth of the child. And the beginning, if you think of the horizontal line within the circle and the vertical line descending from above down and it touches it, that's the tall cross, the inverted tall cross, and it's the descent of um, spirit into matter. Whereas if you go from the southern position upwards It produces another tall cross Which is um, a center of matter to comprehend the feminine That upward tall cross is the um, symbol of the Lemurian root race Before the awakening of mind And when mind starts to awaken in the higher principles And it starts to, in other words, appear above that um, uh, horizontal line, it produces eventually the Ankh, which is the the rising spirit out of the waters of matter. So it gives you, later on you'll understand the meaning of the Tao in the four directions, but that gives you an idea of the Tao in the two directions. So, this glyph of Scorpio is the ascent out of that whole bottom part of the zodiac to do with the bottom part of your, below your diaphragm. And all of you don't need much more explanation of what that signifies. In other words, you're starting to master that. This then produces all of the testings in the sign of Zodiac. The waters here in the Greek myths is called the Swamp of Lerna. And within the waters is the hydra, the nine-headed hydra. And the, the nine heads... As you're probably aware, they heads of money, material comforts, pride, separativeness, selfishness, ambition, hatred. These are some of the heads. And so all of these nine heads of the Hydra must be tackled and mastered in this particular sign of Scorpio because the whole bottom part of the Zodiac Must now begin to be controlled. Therefore, the sign of the Scorpio is the sign of testings, of trials, of tribulation. Literally speaking, it's either for the Bible because the tests come in Scorpio, so whenever you have anything aspected to Scorpio in your chart, it generally means test, trials, tribulations, depending on the initiate level you are, or for average humanity. It's the the scorpionic, um, the martial quality of intense desire for material things, intense sexuality. And all of you know the problems of sexuality and all the tests that produce in life's cycles. And So this is the intensity. So it either produces a, a further depravity, if you want, of sexual indulgence, or it produces... A battling of all of that so that one can master these qualities. And uh, therefore, you get all of the, the problems of the celibate monk uh, or those that want to be celibate in, say, the, the Catholic Church over the past 2,000 years. All of this is scorpionic. In many ways, I think Scorpio has ruled the, the Catholic Church specifically more than Pisces. Uh, both of them are water signs. But uh, because of their problems of sex, because what really does the Catholic Church or the Roman Catholicism, the Christian religion as a whole, took their problems or the the gist of Saint Paul um, rather than Jesus, and therefore Scorpionic energies. Anyway, uh, it just gives you some of the anguish, the tests, the trials, it's the struggling disciple trying to, you know, Hercules. Um, battling with the nine-headed hydra and try to be free from this triune qualities of the material world. The three aspects of the material world is the mental, the emotional, and the dense physical. And so the three legs of this particular sign as the mental, emotional, and physical interrelationships, as the same as for Virgo. So this um, triune sign is where you're battling with the the three aspects of human livingness. Everything that is the whole miasma of human relationships is Scorpio. Fun stuff. Therefore Scorpio personalities have a lot of problems with energizations. They can be you know battling this way and that with life cycle to calm or with with their energy impetus. For disciples of course, as they try to deal with their lower nature, they get energized and intensifies aspects of their lower selves, right? All of you understand this scorpionic trouble. And, of course, at the end, it's the the triumphant disciple. The way that Hercules um, battled the hydra, he had to lay down his club, he had to lay down his weapons. He was naked, and he had to get into the swamp, pull out the hydra, because he realised that every, every time he cut off one head, Two more arise in its place. You can't defeat these desires by battling with them, by arguing with them, like many um, Scorpios do, because every time you defeat one aspect, two more attributes of that particular aspect come up and challenge you again. Desire... It can't be really argued with, this is the um, what the Anubi do. They give you lots of arguments in your head. Shall I do this? Shall I do that? Uh, you know, lots of little arguments. Um, you forget those arguments. You, lay, you throw away those weapons and you pick up the whole hydra and you get down on your knees in humbleness and humility and you take it out of its lair, that swamp, and you've got to bring it into the sun, into the air, and raise it above your head and you look towards the sun in the air, and it dries out, you, you, you know, uh, the waters dry away. You stop arguing, you stop battling, and you just say, this is what must be done, and you do it. And so it's the, the fiery resolve, finally, of the martial impetus. So the Mars, the, the warrior there with the sword, can kill and pierce with the sword, but eventually it just has to use the will to cut off its head and to go away from that battle. The other thing to do with Scorpio, and this is both esoteric and exoteric, is the sting. Uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed the nastiness, the particular nastiness that Scorpionic people can manifest. They have that little sting, and they can sting other people. Their emotions, um, yeah, you know, it can be quite nasty emotionally, and they have to learn to temper that sting. Now of you have ever looked at a scorpion i don't know if you've ever been stung by a scorpion it's quite a painful experience but if you ever look at a scorpion you'll find that it has its sting in its tail and it's curved in an arc behind so it stings as an arc now that concept of being stung through an arc is a most esoteric concept for instance If you're looking at the wheel of the zodiac and we think in terms of quadrants of the zodiac, each one of those is an arc. And so the sting will take with it the whole potency of a whole quadrant, a whole portion of the spiral eight. It's moving energy and it takes with it the whole potency of that particular, you know, I'll use the phrase, quadrant of the zodiac. So it either can build with, with an intensified impetus so it can put all of its energy into creating something new or it can sting to death with various different forces that it is amalgamated into one unit. Think a little bit more about this concept of, of moving arcs of energy rather than a line because um, energy is more spiral cyclic or it's arcs um, if you think of a moving wavelength of the, the, the movement of a serpent. It's the axe and it's the whole quadrant, yes? I was thinking that the, the, in Scorpio it's the capacity which I have found in myself with other people as well. The capacity of regeneration to get out of the hole and start again afresh yes, yes, and forgetting yes. the past. It's this huge energy within. Maybe it's also other things, but... Uh, it's yes, this, yes, definitely this regeneration. Really extraordinary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Death and regeneration—that's the energy of the sting. And either produces death, or it produces a new cycle. And as I said, the new cycle is the upward portion of the zodiac. And so you're looking towards the mount of initiation. So the Scorpio finally gets out of the of the hole of thing and looks upwards, and then never looks back. So that's the triumph of the disciple. So this whole battlefield of life. And so you know the battlefield of life That which is below the diaphragm And Scorpio, therefore, if you want Stings the uh, awakening heart It actually pierces the heart And lets um, free-flowing the blood of life So if you can think of the Christ on the cross And the soldier comes with his lance To pierce the heart To, to see whether he is truly dead That's the Scorpionic, the martial impetus of Scorpio. So it pierces the, the crucified Christ to let free the, the blood of life. It's a very, very, very good sign, esoterically, and yes, <laughs> all signs have their pros and cons. This gives you a good idea of the symbol of the glyph, and you can see it's quite appropriate have never paid attention, it's only today because you are saying it, that my two signs, Scorpio and, and Virgo, have the three yes. hearts. Yes, yes, First, that's and, right. And one is up and the other one is down. It's amazing. that never paid attention to that. Yeah, the three aspects of history of this yes. To bring to person. Well, uh, with, yes. with the sign... Nowadays, I'm just wondering um, what it would be originally like, but nowadays it looks like a small letter M with the arrow coming off it. So at the beginning it has an upward sort of um, bit and then, you know, like it has a straight line at the beginning. Yes, yes, Um, that straight line is the scent of energies, that which brings energies from above the diaphragm to below and then the scorpionic, um, the sting, is to bring it up again. It actually is like a small letter M, it's not just a, you know, a modern application or something. No, it's, it's actually the M, it, the line does come down. It, it's uh, symbolically and appropriately correct. And the other thing, I suppose I'll just mention the difference between Scorpio and Logio of course, is the material, it's the diva. It's the intelligence of the diva, the diva intelligence. Whereas the Scorpio is the battling human kingdom, trying to master the diva substance. And so one is a, a diva sign, a diva intelligence, and the other is the human watery emotions trying to master you know, the elemental. It's just quite more esoteric way of looking at the, these two signs. Okay, so one is um, fiery and quite watery, and one is earthy and intelligent. <laughs> okay, so we move from the, the glyph of Scorpio to Sagittarius. Now, the Sagittarius, that glyph that you see, is a small portion of the arrow and the bow. So you've got, um, if you want, an arrow pointing upwards and a small part of the arc of the bow uh, cutting it. This is uh, really part of a history of the evolution of the sign Sagittarius. In Lemurio-Atlantean days, the Sagittarius was symbolized by the centaur, uh, so it was the horse-man. And what it meant was that the mind was just arising out of the animal nature, the quadruped, the, the four legs of the form. And in this particular case, the four legs of the form as the dense physical, the etheric, the astral, and the, the concrete mind. So if you think of the centaur as the original Lemurian or the beginning of the Lemuria-Atlantean period, symbolizing that cycle, and then in Atlantis... The centaur had a bow, an arrow. And so the centaur then had the bow and arrow and could fire the arrow to his, whatever he aspired to. The centaur, the keynote of centaur in this particular case is ambition. The centaur, the, the Sagittarian uh, is ambitious so that's one of the qualities where some Scorpio's desire Sagittarius is ambitious ambition for the average so because um, they fire the arrow to all what they aspire to achieve for themselves it can be to make lots and lots of money it can be you know sex whatever the ambition is to achieve well uh, you know, as a personality um, to make fame you know, as a movie star for instance These are, you know, Sagittarian qualities, the Sagittarian mindset. So at Atlantis, you can see that the human portion is still attached to the animal portion, to the basic desire, the basic materialism of the animal life, of sensuality, of being involved in in samsara. But there's the ambition to get out of that, the ambition to aim towards the sun, for instance. What was the four legs of the centaur representing again, please? So the emotions, the etheric body and the physical body, wasn't it? And the concrete mind. Technically also the four concrete subplanes of the mind. And The mind is divided into four concrete and three abstract. Okay, so that's the animal nature. That's, that's your centaur and you're aspiring uh, to overcome those impediments. Most people, of course live in their concrete mind and governed by those four aspects of the personality vehicle. It's a square, uh, esoterically dissembled by a square. So if I draw a square on a piece of paper, that's what I mean. And it can be the four aspects of the concrete mind. And if it's the logos that sits on a square, it's the four subplanes to do with manifest space. It can be the four etheric subplanes or it can be what's called the Logovic personality, these four, as it relates to him. This is the square, and above the square is the triangle. And in the centaur's case, of course, the triangle and the square have not yet moved apart from each other, and therefore you get a a version of the the seal of Solomon. In um, Aryan times, in the fifth root race, when the mind quality became dominant, the centaur was discarded. And some of you do see some depictions of the signs of the zodiac with the centaur there. And when you see those depictions, you know that it's got to do with the old way of looking at when it was Atlantean. It's the Atlantean symbol. What we now have for Sagittarius is is for the Aryan root race when the mind is now dominant and the emotions no longer are important, Uh, per se, is that all that is left is the arrow and a portion of the bow cutting the arrow. So behind it, you've got the idea of the tensity, of the tension of the bow. So the archer is pulling the bow, and there's a tension there. It's the will of mind, as I said, um, for the average Sagittarian. It's this ambition for the aspirant and disciple, it's the will of mind. So you're using your mind with will to produce a purpose. So it's with focused intent. And so the and then you have to put a certain amount of energy into that into gaining whatever you wish to gain. Whether it's the spiritual heights of the mountaintop in Sagittarius, which is the next sign, or it's making a lot of money. Energy has to be put into that. And the amount of energy you put into that, uh, which the Sagittarian can muster, is the tension that's put behind making this bowstring taut so the arrow can be fired. Exoterically, it's Jupiter that rules Sagittarius, as you know, which is wisdom. This wisdom, this gain of material plane livingness you can see with Sagittarius, there's a game. You've lived life and, or you want more in life. Something you see, you know, it's a, that, you know, the Joneses have got, they got that fancy car, they got a fancy house or whatever that is, that good job. And they will put a lot of energy into trying to get that. So there you have this particular grip. Now, esoterically, the arrow is fired at a target. And this is the arrow of mind. And of course, it could also be the arrow of strong desire, of the will of mind, of personality will, of aspiration. So you aspire for the disciple to climb the mountaintop. So your target is uh, what you visualize, the mountain is on top of the mountaintop. In this case, for you, it's the third initiation. So the archer visualises a target, visualises a goal. The target esoterically, and normally if you see anyone firing arrows on a range there, the target has got three circles, there's three concentric circles. And those three circles is the eye, is the monad, is the soul, is chambala, is hierarchy esoterically. And so you can see quite clearly, it's the arrow of the mind that is firing the arrow with a certain amount of tension behind it and intensity or purpose to achieve its goal. And you know, I hope the the goal isn't something mundane or prosaic, like some animal. You can see the hunter, <laughs> which is the archer, can want a deer or a rabbit or something like that, and that's its goal, is whatever that animal it's firing for the emotion symbolizes. A pig? Well, there you can figure that out. So you can see that the goal is different. But for you as disciples, as the triumphant disciple, because you've battle in Scorpio and you've won, you are firing your arrow to the goal of hierarchy or Shambhala, or your own higher selves. So this persistent one-pointed effort, there's your Sagittarius. And hierarchically, Mars rules Sagittarius. And esoterically, it's the Earth. Also, of course, being a centaur, if you want, that's what technically it's evolved out of, the Sagittarian is also living on the plains of the earth. It's firing its arrows towards the mountaintop, but it hasn't really yet begun to climb. Okay, so there you have the, the centaur, the Sagittarian, that can begin to master the sum of the quaternity that is the personality vehicle. Fire to arrows to the abstract higher mind. And, of course, all of you should know by now there's a gap in consciousness between the concrete mind or the empirical mind and the abstract mind. It literally has to be built. There's gaps between the chakras. Well, there's epic webs that have to be pierced. In meditation, you have to direct meditation mind the energy has to go from here to there so this literal gap in consciousness the direction of the anti-karana is what this arrow is so it's the arrow of the focused mind in meditation okay so all of you know that as esotericists cosmic fire and esoteric astrology are your prime texts that's, that's where the science of our, well, our esoteric science is mostly veiled in. And then that which backs esoteric astrology, of course, esoteric psychology. So this is our science. With Capricorn, sometimes they have a goat fish, a goat with a fish's tail curled down. And those of you have seen the pretty sort of pictures of the signs of the zodiac. Yeah, what you've seen is the why. The thing with Capricorn, and I'm going to read out a bit of Esoteric Astrology for you, on page 155. He says here, the symbol of this sign is undecipherable and intentionally so. It is sometimes called the signature of God. I must not interpret it for you, partly because it has never yet been correctly drawn, and partly because its correct delineation and ability of the initiate to depict it produces an inflow of force. That would not be desirable, except after due preparation and understanding. It is far more potent than the Pentagon and leaves the initiate, inverted commas, unprotected. You can see that this particular sign, Capricorn, is one of the most ancient of all the signs, quite important. Now, for many, many years, for decades probably, I've been wondering what on earth the correct sign for Capricorn actually is. And the one I drew is the normal one, which is insipid, esoterically. If you're looking at it as the esoteric symbolism, it's terrible. It's all got to do with matter, with materialism. That's a dark brotherhood, thought form, the way it's normally drawn. Now, I'm going to show you the correct way it's drawn, the esoteric way. Now, this is only for you people. What you have is a, a downward-moving ray of light. Then it forms the loop, and then you get a prong that goes deep into matter, and then another prong that goes up, and then after that, there's a little spur about where the loop is. That there is the the correct way of drawing this particular sign, and esoterically, it gives you a vast amount of information, whereas the other way uh, gives you no information except for the prong that goes down, which means materialism. So I'll explain. In my particular diagram, I've got a thing over on this side, which says the head of the goat, and then at the bottom is the tooth of the crocodile, and that little spur is what I call the horn of the unicorn. First of all, you get cosmically a ray of the Logos coming into manifestation, and then... It produces a sphere of activity, a ring pass knot, which stands for the soul. And then from this comes the deepest descent into matter. So, and from the logoic point of view, that would be the mental plane. From our point of view, it's the dense physical. The problem with this particular sign is the problem that gave to me once that she didn't like in in, in my writing in, in Shambhala which is the inverted pentagram. It is correct. It means simply the center of the matter. So the tooth of the crocodile, if you think of an inverted pentagram, it's the bottom Two. part of that inverted pentagram. Before I go into this, we'll go a little bit into the symbol of Capricorn, or the sign that the animals that Makara, it's the most mysterious sign, as the SDK says, the signature of God. And it's symbolized by, first of all, the crocodile. And the crocodile is lives in the water and on land. Now, all of you know the water is the astral plane, the land is the physical. So, it astral physical, which most people live in and enjoy and love. And the tooth of the crocodile, of course, is all that nastiness that people have with their emotional bodies. The crocodile grabs hold of whatever it wants to eat with quite some force. Also involved with this concept of crocodile as a water animal entity in the east, it's called Makara, the mystery. Makara is the actual proper term for Capricorn, and it's a water earth sign. And it comes out of its mouth, this entity, the um, waters. And if you ever look at a Tibetan bell or a Doge you'll find that the, the makaras on on that, the bell or the Doge and very often on Eastern symbolism. Okay, and then from after that, we have the symbolism of the goat climbing the mountain of initiation on a mountain of materialism. The mountain is materialism, so the Capricornian is the, it's the most materialistic of all signs. It can be cold, hard, ruthless, cruel, and it's the mountain of mind. So it's all that aspect of the mind when it, that can be divorced from from love, right? And therefore, it's the sign of the black magician, par excellence, of the cruel aspect of the mind used to manipulate and mould and control everything. Right? And so this tooth of the crocodile, this um, downward plunging aspect of this particular sign, symbolizes that. And what it basically means and the involutionary arc is logos hiding him the presence of the circle in matter, being immersed in the deepest point of matter, because that is creation. So the presence of himself, that very point at the very bottom. Remember when we had the sign Aries the Ram, it had the the spiral going down into the very point of matter. And that particular downward-pointing spiral and the upward arc is the same as in Aries. It's the deepest descent so that matter can be controlled by mind, by cosmic mind, by logoic mind, by human mind. So Substance can be controlled, manipulated. From the deepest point, we have the moving up of the aspiration of the aspirant, the climbing of the goat up the mountain of materiality. And on the top of the mountain, this now becomes the Mount of Initiation, you get the transfiguration experience, the illumined mind, the abstract mind, the awakening of the unicorn, the unicorn takes wings and flies, as the enlightened mind. So in my particular glyph that I've drawn, you have the top portion of it with the, uh, a spike coming up at an angle, which is the unicorn's horn. And that's the horn of plenty, the cornucopia. That's the wish-fulfilling gem, the awakened third eye. In this particular sign that I've drawn, we have all three horned animals implied. There are three horned animals in the zodiac. One is Aries, the next is Taurus, and then the third is Capricorn. And so in the first portion of the glyph, you've got the symbol of Taurus, minus one of the horns, but it's there. And then the spiral going down is Aries. And then you've got the tooth of the crocodile and then the unicorn. This particular symbol and this particular sign relates to mind in every way that you can think of mind, from cosmic mind to the mind of God to the black mind of the deepest black, uh, dark entity. However, mind is used uh, to manipulate substance and the conquering of mind. And therefore, you can see the dangers associated with this particular sign on this cliff. I have drawn on my little piece of paper here uh, just uh, an evolution of signs that comes from this. One, when you get this downward V and you do it three times, you get this M sign, which we've seen before in the uh, Virgo and Scorpio. This actually is a shorthand version of the three aspects of material life. And you can see with the little tail, it produces a lovely uh, shorthand version of an animal. If we extend it and we put two legs, each one of these downward prongs actually is dual, therefore you can have an animal symbolised at the end here, the shortest version, with six legs. We have the horn and the head and a tail. Now, the horn can also be dual, two-horned, symbolising Taurus, or it can be the single horn of, in this particular case, Aries, or Capricorn. But... This six legs and the tail represent the seven planes of perception. And in many religions, you'll find this particular symbol or a version of this. Um, in the most simplified version, that symbol of that animal is um, the entire creation. The entire manvantara is symbolized there. Uh, from the creation of a soul and to the depth of the soul with the tail and the aspiration back upwards to cosmos after going through the planes of perception. This is just a little bit of Esoteric symbolism, and later on you'll learn to read the glyphs of the religious, the ancient myths the religions, ancient religions, very well, because if it um, comes from hierarchy, it's the same symbols, the same meanings are there. You'll learn to, to count all of the points You know, if it's a circle and it's got a number of radial lines, you count all of them. If it's a star, how many points does it have? (laughs) And so forth. You've got to understand if it's in a circle or outside a circle. All of these things have different meanings. And this particular one is just so obvious to anyone who's got a slight amount of esoteric knowledge. And it's just an adaptation or extension of Capricorn symbol. Okay, I'm just going to read a little bit about these three... Horned animals. There's much to learn, uh, as you can see, from the K, from page 155, those that, that want to read it, in an ancient astrological treatise, which has never yet seen the light of day, but which will someday be discovered. When the right time has arrived, the relation between the horned animals of the Zodiac is thus described. The ram, the scapegoat, and the sacred goat are three in one and one in three. The ram becomes the second, And the second is the third. The ram that breeds and fertilizes all. The scapegoat in the wilderness redeems that all. And, of course, with the concept of scapegoat is the concept of the Christ, you know, who shed his blood for the redemption of many. He's the scapegoat. The sacred goat that merges in the unicorn and lifts impaled upon its golden horn the vanquished form. And these, the mystery lies hid. Here becomes apparent that three mysteries are hidden in the three horned signs. One, the mystery of God the Father, creation. Two, the mystery of the Son, redemption. Three, the mystery of God the Holy Spirit, liberation. It might be pointed out that it is the will of the Father aspect manifesting through Aries that governs Shambhala, the loving desire of the Son which attracts to, to hierarchy and the permeating intelligent activity of the Holy Spirit, which animates the center of divine life, which we call humanity. We thus have Shambhala hierarchy humanity. Uh, Humanity is Capricorn, hierarchy Taurus, and Shambhala Aries. In both their higher and lower aspects, these signs hold the secret of the horns of strife, the horn of plenty subjected to and guarded by the horn of life. Again, an ancient proverb runs... The ram, when it has become the scapegoat, has sought illumination as the bull of God and has climbed the mountaintop in the semblance of the goat, changes its shape into the unicorn. Great is the hidden key. If the symbolism is carried a little further, it might be stated that the ram leads us to the creative life of Earth and into the darkness of matter. This is the blue of midnight. The bull leads us to the place of desire in search of wrathful satisfaction. This is the red of greed and anger, changing eventually into the golden light of illumination. The goat leads us to arid ways in search of food and water. This is the need for green, but the goat is equal to climbing to the mountaintop. Okay, so that's a little bit of DK's esoteric astrology, and plenty to keep you thinking.